This is Wine Blast. I'm Susie Barry and I'm here as ever with my husband and fellow Master of Wine, Peter Richards. And we thought it was high time we featured some breaking news. Breaking news. It's all about the 24-hour rolling news coverage these days, isn't it? It is indeed. um, Given it's pretty much wall-to-wall bad news, we thought we'd provide an alternative, uh, utterly silly fake news. You may remember we featured a bulletin episode from Fake Booze, the entirely fictional news site focused on the world of alcohol at the start of season three. So this is us checking back in to get our regular fix of the world's very finest, most made-up news-gathering operation on the internet. Yeah, uh, that episode seemed to go down very well, so we wanted, you know, six months, can't believe it's been six months, six months on, we were remiss, to see what the very latest was in the world of fictional booze news, uh, and it turns out there is momentous made-up news to be had. The men de Wanker in uh, Little Croddington, Suffolk, uh, they dispensed with wine lists last year, with sommeliers instead asking customers to describe how they were feeling and then selecting an appropriate wine to fit their mood. Restaurant critic Ray Jayner was scathing in his analysis. The whole thing was obviously a con, he said. Clearly, it's ridiculous expecting sommeliers to choose a wine to fit a customer's mood, since that would involve them having to listen to what people say. Now, we should be very clear from the outset, there are a few sweary bits and a few slightly rude topics. Um, It's all relatively mild, but worth being aware of, given we're normally, well, we're normally so well-mannered and highbrow on this show, aren't we? Indeed, Vicar. Amazing, really, considering the amount of wine we get through. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) just to recap, all the material we're featuring on this show is the creation, um, and probably should say responsibility. Definitely not our responsibility. For the lawyers listening, uh, of Fake Booze. whose strapline is like truth but better Uh, it's utterly inspired and ridiculously funny so if you haven't already checked it out you really need to yeah we all need a good laugh occasionally now uh, probably more than ever and Mm. uh, and fake booze consistently delivers uh, which is why it deserves our support so as well as laughing along to the stories please do consider signing up as a patreon supporter of theirs which will help keep the inspired stories coming yeah and, and talking of inspired stories in this episode we'll be uncovering how an exciting new winemaking system takes its um, inspiration from goats, uh, why a list-free ordering system in a restaurant risks violence, uh, a curious new range of glassware, and of course, what else? Hot cross bun gin. So let's get right into it. And we started by asking editor Chris Losh how everything is in the world of fake booze. Uh, Fake booze is typically busy. Um, You can imagine the trade has, has come back to work and with it, it's brought enormous amounts of uh, stupidity, uh, vaingloriousness, and generally misguided tut, um, which is essentially what we feed off. Um, I don't know, we're some kind of like bottom feeding fish, probably with slightly strange eyes. But one of those things. So the more detritus there is down the bottom of the tank for us to nosh away on, the better, frankly. <laughs> okay. So on, on which note, you know, you've got a scoop on a, a brand new winemaking technique involving goats. It does involve goats. I should also put a parental advisory on this particular story, since it does involve a certain amount of mentioning of genitalia. Way to go. Pick that story out for the first one. Nice effort. So this basically is a maverick South African winery, and it's made what it says is the world's first wine to be aged in a nut sack. Uh, It's called Scrote Roti, and it's the new so-called Pet Nad project from the hipster Swartland winemaker Erwin Inkskin. And it features wines that have spent six to 12 months aging in goat's knacker bags. 
Uh, we spoke to Erwin and he said that although it sounds weird, it actually fits perfectly with his winery's natural hands-off ethos. Um, as he points out, concrete eggs, oak barrels and cement tanks all require an industrialised process, whereas this is incredibly low intervention, uh, although admittedly not so much for the goats. <laughs> and it's, it's quite an uh, artisanal product, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it really is. I mean, the scrotums are removed, steam cleaned and then inflated to form a receptacle that's about the size of a demijohn. Uh, then the wine gets pumped in for ageing. Uh, currently, Inkskin has about 200 of these in his cellar, though he admits that increasing it significantly from here could be quite slow. Um, crafting wine equipment out of animal parts was, he said, a skill set that's even more niche than producing a satirical drinks website and probably about as profitable. <laughs> and, uh, and we understand that elephants uh, may also be the firing line. Yeah, Inkskin says he's already playing with first and second fill ball bags and has lodged an order with an elephant sanctuary so he can experiment with larger scrotonneaux in the future. Uh, he's also hoping to have the term van de sac uh, legally recognised. Uh, it's not too big a stretch, he said. You've already got a bag in box, so why not bag of box? Uh, I should also point out that that gag is B-O-K-S, so it works slightly better in print than it does on the radio. <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for clarifying. But um, I understand that experts are getting quite excited about this development, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. I mean, Master of Wine, Anthony Drivelspouter, uh, he told us that he thinks the wine's opened up a fascinating new frontier in the science of ageing. Uh, the way these vessels impart a fleshy, earthy texture makes their impact quite different to oak or concrete, he told Fake Booze. And there are real differences between wines aged in French goat and those aged in American goat. According to Drivel Spouter, MW candidates could expect to be tested on the new format straight away. They shouldn't have too much trouble with it, he said. After all, they're well used to talking bollocks. <laughs> now, Chris, turning to other news. Um, now, you've got a story, haven't you, on the restaurant that's been told to abandon its list-free ordering system because of risks of violence. Mm, yeah, this is, um, this is a story about the Domaine des Wankers in uh, Little Crudington, Suffolk. Uh, they dispensed with wine lists last year, with sommeliers instead asking customers to describe how they were feeling and then selecting an appropriate wine to fit their mood. But this hasn't gone as well as they'd hoped, with police called to the venue five times in a week. So magistrates have ordered the restaurant to return to a conventional printed wine list or face closure. Uh, owner Pietentius explained the problem to us. Basically, she said, when we told customers there was no wine list and asked them to tell us how they were feeling so we could choose a wine for them, most of them said, I was fine. Now I'm bloody angry. Just give me the stupid wine list. Why don't you? <laughs> Pia told us that common responses to the question, how are you feeling, included beginning to wonder why I came here in the first place. Kind of sexy. Why do you say we get it on? And in need of my medication to stem the rising tide of fury that might cause me to burn this place to the ground and get me banged up again. <laughs> So where did this um, where did this list free approach come from? Well, according to student of restaurant history, Simon Schwama, the list free wine list concept originated in California in the Star Wars fine dining scene of the early 1980s. Sommeliers who were practicing to be Jedis would use the force to intuit customer wishes. They called it the Jedi wine trick. They tell customers things like, Napa Cabernet you want, and 16% alcohol it is, and look too closely at the price, must you not? <laughs> but, um, Sorry, but, can we just have a moment? Uh, your impression of Yoda is, is just that, epic. 
Uh, it's uncanny and it's weird because I look very similar as well. You do, if only everybody could, if everybody could see it's you. It's like oh Yoda God. is here with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, restaurant goers in Suffolk weren't quite convinced, were they? No, they really weren't. Um, they Customers there have told fake booze that they thought the whole thing was a scam. So diner John Public got in touch with us and he said, I told them I was feeling excited. My partner told them she was tired and the table next to us were quietly reflecting on the memories of a deceased relative. But all of us got a bottle of Rioja. I wouldn't have minded, he went on, but I was eating cod. Um, subsequent investigations by trading standards officers revealed that the restaurant did not, in fact, have 400 wines as promised, only six, which they rotated from one night to the next. Restaurant critic Ray Jayner was scathing in his analysis. The whole thing was obviously a con, he said. Clearly, it's ridiculous expecting sommeliers to choose a wine to fit a customer's mood, since that would involve them having to listen to what people say. <laughs> and, and what has the restaurant's response been, Chris? Well, Pietentius defended the lack of choice by saying that most customers, quote, can't tell the difference between a Barolo and a bar of soap in any case, and said it wasn't going <laughs> to stop them pressing ahead with their next venture. It's a menu-free bar where their team of highly skilled mixologists will make you a cocktail just by reading your aura. I can tell you that yours is a mojito, she told Fake Booze, just like everyone else's. <laughs> On the subject of cocktails, uh, what's this you reported regarding uh, hot cross bun gin? Uh, this, this relates to um, All Dye Supermarket, uh, which has launched a new gin liqueur, which it says perfectly captures the true spirit of Easter. So the hot cross bun flavoured drink is being described as, quote, the nearest way of experiencing some of the agony inflicted on Christ without actually having to nail yourself to a plank. <laughs> so obviously, Easter is a highly significant time for the Christian faith, said Aldi's head of marketing, Dolores Anas. So we were very sensitive to the whole concept of the resurrection, specifically by hoping that this gin will bring our prophets back from the dead. Uh, religious groups have accused the supermarket of a lack of taste, to which an old eye spokesman said, you wish. So, so what's been the, uh, the reaction to this new product? Um, it's safe to say that critics have been split on the new bottle. Um, idiot bloggers have enjoyed filming themselves prancing around in their pants and drinking it over ice in apartments clearly paid for by someone else. However, heavyweight drinks journalist Dave Brush said that given the choice between crucifixion and having to drink a bottle, he'd, quote, take his chances with the nail gun every time. <laughs> <laughs> could, um, could other products follow suit? Well, Aldi certainly think so. Uh, they reckon the launch could herald a new frontier in drinks gimmickry. Head of marketing Dolores Anas said that we'd always previously thought that if a drink made you regurgitate your breakfast in two sips, it was a bad idea. But that's clearly not the case. Uh, she described the realisation that the public would buy absolutely anything if it had the word gin on it as incredibly liberating. With hot cross bun, we really crossed the Rubicon, she told Fake Booze, since taste clearly doesn't matter on literally any level. From here on, anything goes. Uh, are there any specific products on the radar there? Yep, the retailer already has a series of event-themed gins in the pipeline. Uh, there's pumpkin gin for Thanksgiving, Sprout and Turkey infused gin for Christmas and a cloyingly sweet chocolate and roses double sugar variant for Valentine's Day. Uh, but Miss Anas did point out that one flavour was completely off the table. Uh, we won't be making a gin that tastes of juniper, she told us. All our research suggests that people can't stand it. That would be taking things too far, wouldn't it? Uh, talking of which, uh, we hear there's there's a breaking news story involving fake booze releasing its own glass range. Mm. 
yes, breaking news story that we wrote uh, four months ago. But <laughs> certainly, if you'd been in a coma since December, it definitely is a breaking story. So um, it's um, yes, what you're talking here is talking about our, our cash in collection range of glassware. Um, uh, this wasn't our idea initially. I mean, you know, we're a magazine, so why the hell would we want to make drinks glasses? No, it was it was the result of literally thousands of completely made up requests from our global fan base. Um, our publisher, Alcohol, describes it as being the result of careful consideration, lots of hard work and a sincere desire to jump on a lucrative passing bandwagon. Um, we clearly have no expertise in this area at all, he went on, which is perfect since that puts us in the same boat as every other journalist who's churned out their own range of glasses in search of a bit of ego massaging and a fast buck. I mean, to be fair, though, a lot of thought has gone into the design, hasn't it, Chris? It really has. Yeah. I mean, our, our head of product development, uh, May Dup, has been the person behind this. Um, she described the stemware as radically similar to anything that has gone before. Um, it's classical yet modern, uh, it's functional yet elegant, and it's comfortingly familiar while still very different. Um, a really exciting element of the design is that it's enclosed most of the way round, but with a hole in the top. Uh, and according to Ms. Dupp, uh, this patented tilt and pour system is designed to keep the liquid in place while still allowing people to get it into their mouths. Um, but she does also point out it could double as a very convenient way of also pouring natural wine down the sink. And, and, and Fake Booze has obviously been heavily involved in the process. Yeah, this isn't just a kind of token gesture like all this rubbish celebrity wine. I mean, right from the start, we actively failed to participate in the design stage. Uh, we stayed well back from the actual production and then we've selflessly allowed our name to be used for the branding. So uh, we were adamant this wasn't just going to be an empty PR exercise. Uh, we really wanted to make a difference uh, both to our bank account and also the industry's soaring carbon footprint. So, so go on, Chris, what are the USPs and, and what is the range exactly? Oh, God. I mean, so many USPs, Susie. It's, it's almost like we went through a checklist. So the glasses are um, organic. Uh, biodynamic, dolphin friendly, recyclable, reusable and completely dishwasher safe, apart from the ones that break. Um, the range the range includes glasses for red and white wine, uh, a whiskey tumbler and a Spanish sized gin balloon that serves double duty as a goldfish bowl. And um, for sparkling wine, the range includes a Carrie Antoinette champagne coupe based on the shape of Boris Johnson's current wife's left breast. And drinkers who want to drink fizz out of a bigger tit can buy a glass shaped like Boris Johnson himself. <laughs> Chris Losh of Fake Booze, thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So there we have it. Uh, the world put to rights in the parallel universe of fake booze. I don't think we need any more commentary on what we've just heard. Uh, I, I'm not sure we've got anywhere left to go. Uh, we hope that we've managed to raise a smile or two and at the very least distract you from, from the world of real news for a short while. Yeah. And I do please consider supporting this, well, the vital news invention work of fake booze by donating to their Patreon. We'll put a link in the show notes. Needless to say, there's a whole world of high quality material on the website if you um if you want to explore that if it tickles your fancy it's all at fake 
hyphenboos.com. Now, we've got a totally contrasting episode coming up next time, haven't we? Which we is do a, indeed. a little bit more serious. Just about, a bit. Uh, it's Just a, a tad. dive into the world of dosage, uh, that magical and mysterious edition used in most of the world's very finest sparkling wines. Um, we've got some big hitters on the show, mm-hmm. haven't we? We do indeed. Uh, we're very lucky. Uh, can't wait to announce those. Uh, and we also feature some experimental wines that may just change the, the world of wine. Who knows? Lots to look forward to. In the meantime, <laughs> um, thanks to Chris Losh of Fake Booze and thanks to you for listening. Until next time, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>